secondly, this morning that uh, after nearly five years in the Ferris pulpit, mid-August this year, can you believe it, five years? That's crazy. I can't believe you guys have put up with me this long. But uh, after five years in the Ferris pulpit, I finally uh, picked up a collection here of decent dad jokes. Great, yeah. <laughs> if you're not familiar with dad jokes, they're the jokes that dad tells. With or without a... Just a second. We'll get to you. With or without a pulpit. Dad thinks these jokes are hilarious, and everyone else in the family just kind of rolls their eyes at them. But he gets to tell them anyway because he's dad. And I love dad jokes. Of course, you all know this. One of our teenagers one day confessed to me that some of the youth uh, apparently weren't even using the term dad joke. They were changing it to minister joke. And with apologies to Paul, there's no... Uh, greater joy than to hear that the children of Ferris Church have accepted such a truth. But today for uh, Father's Day, our time in the Word, I'd like to kick this off by sharing with you quickly a short list I found online of what's called the top 10 best dad jokes. This is for all you guys this morning. You can thank me after worship. I know you're tired of using the same ones over and over, and so is the rest of the family. So this is for you. If you've never taken notes, you may want to start now. Cody, a uh, fellow dad joke teller, is uh, going to help me share this wealth with you this morning. Are you ready, Cody? Shoot. Okay. According to the internet, best, uh, top 10 best dad jokes in existence, and the internet's never wrong. Number 10, what's the difference between a poorly dressed man on a tricycle and a well-dressed man on a tricycle? Attire. Why did dad discourage mom from going on an all-almond diet? Because that's just nuts. <clears throat> Number eight, do you know why melons have weddings? It's because they excuse cantaloupe, and they cantaloupe. <laughs> the cantaloupe. What do you call a fish with two knees? A toony fish. <laughs> Stop already. Moving on, number six. Did you hear about the restaurant on the moon? They have great food, but no atmosphere. That's right. Number five. When the kids say they'll call me later, what do, they, what do I tell them? I tell them, call me dad. Get it? Uh, natives are getting restless, move on here. <laughs> number four, do you know why the bicycle couldn't stand up by itself? It was too tired. We'll file that with number 10. <laughs> number three, why did the scarecrow win an award? Are you sure you want me to tell this one? Because he was outstanding in his field. <laughs> two more, you can make it. Number two, what does dad call macaroni and cheese with attitude? It was too close for comfort food. <laughs> yep. Number one. Number one dad joke of all time, are you ready? What's the best part about telling a dad joke? Sometimes he laughs. Thank you, Cody. Happy Father's Day, Ferris Church.
Next, next year, we'll get the badum tiss up going on on the drum set. We, we're missing that. <laughs> He's like, the song was great, but, but that whole thing was just too much, Josh. <laughs> Never again. But speaking of fathers and speaking of Ferris, uh, one afternoon not too long ago, uh, passed a mirror on the wall at, at home and looking into it, simple message came jumping out at me and be nice. At the time I was wearing, remember the old green Ferris Church of Christ t-shirt we had uh, several years ago? Uh, I think it was like 2013 or something, year, Ferris shirt. Remember the message on the front of those older Ferris shirts? I'm a child of the one true king. Remember those shirts? Those are cool. I read that again on the front of the shirt, and it you know, reminded me about Father's Day was on the way. And, of course, could think of no better preaching subject than God is our Father. Do you ever stop and think about how God relates to us as his Father? And that's a really interesting idea. Maybe you wonder, what does the Bible say about God being our Father? You know, how can we know God is our Father? We hear that said, oh, Father. Is God everyone's father? Sometimes we hear the phrase, we hear talk, uh, people talk about God's children or all God's children. Seems to describe all people everywhere. Is this true? Are all people the children of the Heavenly Father? Well, this morning, let's answer these questions. Let's talk through this. Let's, let's go through a few scriptures together from God's Word together, describing our Father in heaven. As we do, let's think about that statement from that t-shirt. Am I a child of the one true king? First off, if you've got uh, your Bibles handy there, this one's not behind me. Uh, but you can turn to Matthew chapter 6, verse 9. This is actually the very first part of the most famous prayer of all time. Coincidentally, it's actually a scripture that uh, my wife and I will be teaching this week at uh, Rock Lake Camp. This is from what we normally think of or refer to as the Lord's Prayer. Jesus is setting the example in this prayer by which his disciples are to pray, con uh, including us today. How does Jesus start his prayer? Read with me quickly. Pray then like this, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Jesus is saying, bow to God, call him Father. This is the first thing we hear in this most famous prayer of all time. What a change in the thought process this actually was for God's people the time Jesus said this. Rick Warren writes, in the thousands of years covered in the Old Testament, God is only called Father seven times. Seven times throughout the Old Testament. People just didn't think of God as Father. They thought of Him as other kinds of things, the Creator, Almighty One. But Jesus comes along and says something different. He says, this is how you're to pray. Call Him Father. Jesus will use this uh, uh, expression more than 150 times when referring to God. Isn't that something? If you're uh, seriously taking some notes this morning and you didn't just give up on us with all those dad jokes, first major thing I'd like you to take from the message today, first major point is that, yes, we can call God our Father. In fact, we are directed to do so. 
And in doing so, we're not just using the, the Trinity name, describing God the Father in relation to God the Son, Jesus. But we're actually saying, when we come to God and we say, God, our Father, we're saying, God, we have our faith in you. It's not faith in, in some dead uh, idea of a deity, some impersonal life force, but we are actually coming to you a personal God. And when we say, oh, Father, our Father, we're saying we come to you, we desire a special relationship with you as he has first desired with us. Isn't that incredible? It's incredible if you think about it. Jesus says, this is how we're to pray. This is how we're to approach the Almighty. God the Father is God your Father. We are desired to approach him as his child. But that brings up the second question, the second thing we want to talk about this morning. How? How can we call God our Father? What, what gives us the right to do so? By what means? I mean, is this just a title uh, for Christians? Does it apply to people of all religions or no religion? And this is where we want this text from uh, John. John chapter 1, verses 12 to 13. This is actually our highlighted text for the morning. Uh, if you turn to that with me. John writes this in verse 12. He says, But to all who did receive him, and that's Christ followers, but to all who did receive him, to who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Verse 13, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And so it's important that we understand this. The right to refer to God as our Father is not automatically given to us as a member of the human race. Not everyone is given this privilege. The Bible says, yes, all people have been made by God. The Bible says, yes, all people are made in God's image. We've all had the breath of God put into us, giving us life, which is incredible. But the Bible also describes this personal father-child relationship that can only come into play in our lives when an individual becomes a part of the family of God. You have a special relationship with God. Part of the most important adoption process of all eternity, isn't it? Paul writes in Galatians 3, 26, For in Christ Jesus you are all sons of God through faith. If, in Christ Jesus, if we are Christians. And Jesus is, is once again speaking to his disciples here in Matthew, lovingly considering them part of his own family when he says this our father strong's concordance translates this greek word jesus uses it's this word abba a b b a when we say abba we're not just talking about dancing queen We're talking about father, a term that young children would use to address their daddy as they climbed up into his lap for his love and protection. It's a special word. Another commentary adds, Abba is also the word that Jewish children used for their parents after the children were fully grown. It was a mature yet affectionate way for adults to speak to their fathers as well. It was a word that meant a lot to the audience Jesus had. 
Isn't it incredible the way God Almighty desires to relate to us? God desires to be your daddy, to be your dad, to be your heavenly father. But there's only one problem with this today when we hear this. As uh, uh, Preacher Warren continues, for many people the word father is a negative term. For some people, we might hear this, we might say, our Father who art in heaven, well, if God's like my Father, then no thanks, God. I don't need that experience again. Once was enough. Because while some of us have had the best earthly experiences we could have had with loving, godly fathers who were present in our lives and followed the example of Abba, Father, that's just not the case for others, is it? But be assured of one thing, folks, it doesn't make any difference. When we're part of his family, God isn't like those absent or those negligent or those hurtful earthly fathers. And God won't ever leave your side either. God is eternal. God is always present. He's always wanting to be involved. He desires to be involved in your life. And what's more, he's loving by nature. 1 John 4, 8, God is love. God himself is the standard by which our earthly fathers should consider their relationships with us. That sounds easy, doesn't it? But it's true. The standard or by which we earthly fathers should consider our relationships to our own children. What a privilege it is to have a personal relationship with the father of all fathers who is also almighty God of the universe. Did your father ever uh, fall short? Did he maybe not love you? Maybe the way he should after you were born the first time. In Christ, you're given the right to be a God's kid when you become born of God, when you become born again, John chapter 3. How amazing is it that the family we were born into the second time at baptism is the family of God promised by God. Maybe some of us remember crawling into the big, strong arms of our earthly father. As God's children, we have the strongest and most loving, caring, protecting arms of all eternity, forever and ever to embrace. And then we can call out to Abba Father, for he's given us the right to do just that. We answered this question, how can we call God our Father? Not because we've just one day decided His house is our house, uh, not just by coming to worship, doesn't make it so, but because we've become born into His family. 1 John 1. And that's no dad joke. But it's important that we keep this distinction in mind. Too often, I think that we... Forget that our Abba Father who knows all and sees all and is everywhere gives us the right we have to think of him in this way. You remember the religious leaders at the time of Christ. The the Jewish leaders. They knew that the the nation of Israel had been referred to uh, in Deuteronomy. They were God's chosen people, weren't they? But they were blinded to the presence of God incarnate, who was standing right in front of them. They were were blinded to him. Let's face it, uh, they thought they had the things of the Father all figured out on their own, and they were wrong. Turn with me to to John 8, uh, verses 42 to 44 in your Bibles. Again, John chapter 8. 
And Jesus says this to the Pharisees. Jesus says, if God were your father, you would love me. For I came from God and I am here. I came not of my own accord, but he sent me. Jesus goes on to say, why do you not understand what I say? It is because you cannot bear to hear my word. Now listen to this. Listen to what he says to the Jewish leaders. You are of your father, the devil. You're of your father, the devil. How'd you like to hear that? You're the father, uh, the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there's no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. And so despite popular belief, despite what you might see on a bumper sticker somewhere or maybe on Facebook someplace, Jesus makes clear, yes, there are some who cannot call God father. That's not easy to hear, but it's Bible truth. They may even be religious people. They may even be the cream of the crop when it comes to religion. But before you say, well, I knew it, organized religion, that's the whole problem here. Remember, it wasn't the Pharisees striving to be righteous that got them in trouble. It was their self-righteousness. It was the self-righteousness. Jesus says to the Jewish leaders, you're reaching out to God, you're desiring God, but you're missing him completely. It's not who you are by name as God's people. It's not who you are by name. It's being God's people. It's the action that counts us as part of the family of God. Today, it's following the Son home to the Father. The adoption process requires action on our part, doesn't it? It requires action on our part. Romans 8, 14 to 17, For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. And Paul goes on in this text to say, you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. Paul concludes, the spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God and if children then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him that we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. Did you catch that? But maybe we're thinking, wait, as God's child, I'm, I'm supposed to suffer with Jesus? How's this part come in? Well, to be children of God, there's a chance, yes, we may suffer for his name, right? If the son has suffered before us, shouldn't we expect the same? But the other part to this is, if we're truly children of God, there is glory that waits us as well. You remember the uh, old, uh, this is going back, the old TV show, uh, Father Knows Best? This is really true. This is simply the truth. Sometimes as, as God's little ones, it seems we're tempted to flee the Father's arms. Maybe we're tempted to run away from home. I remember when I was an eight-year-old kid, and there's maybe someone here that can uh, bear witness to this. I better watch what I say this morning. I had a little yellow carrying case. Remember that little yellow carrying case? It snapped open and shut. It had letters of the alphabet all over it. I love that thing, man. I probably carried that case with me as an accessory till I was about 27 years old. 
The briefcase replaced it. We still got some squealing going on, don't we? I'm not sure where that's coming from. But one day when I was, uh, I remember being mad at my parents for something. And I don't remember what it was. Uh, maybe, the, maybe, uh, maybe mom remembers what it was. But probably for making me wear a shirt with buttons. I don't know. But one day, as an eight-year-old little rude boy, I thought I had this brilliant idea. I was going to take that little yellow carrier case with letters of the alphabet all over it. And I was going to fill it up with enough stuff on which to survive, and I was just going to take off. I was going to run away from home. That's right. How was I going to succeed? How was I going to pull this off? plan was this. Go to the kitchen. I'd open up the fridge, and I'd find a bowl of leftover tuna fish. I'd slap that leftover tuna fish between two pieces of bread, put it together, put it in a baggie, grab a juice box, and I was set. That was it. That'd last me for the rest of my life. <laughs> Throw everything in the little yellow carrier case, maybe with a small radio, maybe a couple notebooks, and a crayon or two, and maybe that was it. Maybe that was all I needed for the rest of my life. I was kind of like Steve Martin in The Jerk, you know? This was all I ever really needed to make it at eight years old for the rest of my life. That was it. And once these worldly possessions were safely in that carrier case, I could grab my jacket, I could get to the sliding door, get outside, I was forever on my own, right? I didn't need anybody. Thank God, thank God, I was free last. Outside my house where my parents didn't know anything, I had to get just a few steps past that back patio. I was, I was on my own. I didn't need those people anymore. I didn't need them telling me what to do. I didn't need them forcing me to wear the right shirt or go to school or tell me boring things. I knew what was better. I knew what was good enough for my life at eight years old. I could just take care of me until I fell down and hurt myself. Until I needed something more than a tuna sandwich to live on. Until I needed a lift to my friend's house. Maybe until I had to think of about leaving my own backyard and venturing into that big, scary world forever. Then, then I was able to add something to that wealth of knowledge that I thought I had. You know, parents are kind of practical. That, they're kind of a good idea when you're eight years old. Once in a while, I found out they know something. And I even tried, uh, you know, this whole uh, running away from home thing again several years later, just got to confess. Like before, uh, my attempt to get out of my own backyard only lasted maybe an hour. I do have to be honest with you, my wife wasn't very happy about it. <laughs> the kids thought it was pretty neat, though. Hey, next time, Daddy, can we run away with you? They asked. No. I'd say, you're bursting my bubble. But God put a pattern in place for us with the family plan, didn't he? He put, he put a pattern in place. Parents and guardians, this is a good idea. They're good to have. Uh, my dad passed away from uh, cancer. I was about 10 years old. But you know what my favorite memory of him was before he got sick, before he passed away? Dad would uh, tuck me into bed at night. Every night, see me under the covers, he'd pray with me, tell me good night. I remember him doing that a lot, and that was dad's job, and he was really good at that job. He was really good at that job. When I was older, I found out dad did other things too. I mean, I thought that was mainly it when I was, but 
He was good at other things too, but that was always my favorite, tucking me into bed at night. And I have to be honest with you today, even if I had a whole armful of those little yellow carrier cases at the time, I don't know how I would have felt. Being eight years old, made it out of that backyard and not back into that bed that night so daddy could tuck me in. I didn't really want to run away from home, from him. And the same is true with our Heavenly Father when we're His. We don't want to run away from home either. Here's some other good news. With our Heavenly Father, we don't have to worry about leaving home when we're older. Bonus! Did you hear that, millennials? We don't ever have to leave home! I just had to. But why is it sometimes we think we know better about leaving home, about leaving God's backyard? Instead of calling out for Abba Father, we, we, we listen to the Father of Lies like we're out back in the garden again. Why do we do that? Why do we do that? Why is it as uh, fellow King's kids we get caught leaving the presence of the Heavenly Father in our hearts, if only for a little while? We'll, we'll crawl back when we fall down and hurt ourselves, right? But don't miss uh, the third point this morning. It's not uh, to take tuna sandwiches with you. It's this. There are those who cannot call God their father because they belong to someone else, and you don't want to be one of them. Are you following the will of the Heavenly Father, or are you out living like the prodigal son? Our final point this morning is this. When it comes to the family tree, there's always fruit involved. There's always fruit involved. How can we know God is our Father? The Bible tells us this. Turn with me uh, to 1 John 3, verse 10. I I know we're doing a lot of uh, jumping around in our Bibles this morning, but this is important. 1 John 3, verse 10, if you've got your Bible handy. Text says this. By this it is evident who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. The Bible says this, whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. Okay, whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. So if we're always trying to sneak out of God's backyard, it could be because we don't really belong there in the first place, right? That it's not really our spiritual home. His people are not our people. You know, there's some conditions to being members of of God's household. The adoption process of heaven can never be as simple as just saying a prayer in a closet somewhere, right? Once we become children of God, there is some expected behavior that would show we want to live in God's house, that we truly consider him our father. And that kind of makes sense, doesn't it? How many of you heard, maybe when you were younger, something like, young lady, and by by the way, I hope this wasn't any of you guys here, but young lady, If you want to continue living in this house, you will abide by my rules. My rules say you're not allowed to be past 10 o'clock and so on and so so forth. You've heard that kind of uh, speech before. I'm not saying we're always going to like God's rules. We didn't then. We probably won't now. Like mom and dad's rules. And some of those rules, some of those things, uh, are they're going to directly oppose what we feel like doing, some of God's boundaries. I don't always want to be a good steward of my money. As a member of the family of God, I don't always want to take care of my church family's needs. I don't always want to keep my eyes away from looking at a woman. 
I'm just being honest about some things that are God's boundaries. But if we want to live in the house of God, if we want to be called children of God, if we want to continue as co-heirs with Christ, do we have some house rules to follow? Absolutely. Absolutely. If you're a Christian, you aren't going to be content living a life of habitual ongoing sin. Don't ever listen to a preacher, by the way, that tells you that once you're Christian, you stop sinning. There's some of them saying that and that that is dead wrong. The only difference between the saved and the unsaved is the saved person is forgiven. It's the only difference. We're going to sin once we're Christians, but here's the difference. We're not going to like it. We're not going to like it. The Bible says if we are comfortable in ongoing continued sin that enslaves us, making us left without dis discipline, Hebrews 12, 8, make a note of this, then we are illegitimate children and not sons. Illegitimate children. So being a child of the one true king is an honor. It's a privilege that must also be life-changing. This is for eternity, but it starts today. It starts today, doesn't it? And it follows us out forever and ever. One commentary says, being a child of God, adopted through faith in Christ Jesus, it isn't just a source, it's the source for our hope. It's the security of our future. It's the motivation to walk worthy of the calling we have, Ephesians 4.1. So friends, if we call God our Father, may our peace, comfort, and security be in the fact that we have this relationship to which we were created and make it a family rule to pass it on to future siblings. Pass it on. The spiritually orphaned are all around us, aren't they? The spiritually orphaned, they're all around us. So do they recognize who we come from? What family we get our life, our desires, our boundaries from? Do they recognize the love of the Father within us? That's the charge and the challenge, being part of the family of God. You know, this morning, if, if you still have a living father, if you're a father, you still have your children. Please find them today. Find them this week. Give them a hug. Give them a call. Just, just tell them you, that you're thankful God gave them to you, would you? That, that's the challenge. That's the other challenge. Enjoy that relationship however you can, with whatever boundaries you have. You may have heard me uh, talk about this before. Um, I've been blessed with a, a, a stepfather who's here this morning. I'm thankful for him. I was also blessed with a uh, godly blood father, Jim Rood. Dad was a, a minister at a small church of Christ in Colomer, Indiana in the late 70s. Uh, after this point, Dad served faithfully as an elder in my home church until God took him home. And, you know, it's an honor today to follow in his footsteps as he followed Paul the Apostle, as Paul the Apostle followed Christ. Glad I can say that today. I'm thankful to my Heavenly Father. I used to be upset at my Heavenly Father, you see, because my earthly father wasn't here anymore. I used to be mad about that. Today, I'm thankful to my Heavenly Father for my earthly father. You know why? Because through him, I learned about him. And I wasn't even very old when I learned about him. But I learned about him through him. So I'm thankful for him. 
No matter, friends, what kind of a backyard we once grew up in, it doesn't matter. Our hope doesn't change. We were made to call heaven our home. We were made to call heaven our home. Remember to call out Abba to our heavenly Father. He created us. He sustained us, redeemed us. He wants to have a relationship with us, each one of us here today, and that's from now to eternity. In God's family, we are loved to death, literally. Literally. Again, as, as we heard earlier, how deep the Father's love is for us as his children. But today, may we acknowledge his fatherly love from heaven as we celebrate God's family plan on earth. Would you pray with me? Father, we, we do come to you today and we're thankful. We're thankful, God, that we have a relationship with you that's personal that's intimate. Lord, we're, we're thankful that we have an example which we can follow in our families, in our own lives. Lord, I pray this morning that, that we would truly desire to be your children in all that we do. Lord, I pray that we would remember where we belong. We would remember where we're going. And we would remember your call upon us to reach out to others who do not know you as Father. We're so thankful for your, your word that tells us how you desire to relate to us. We're thankful for your spirit that communicates to us all the way to, to where you are. Lord, help us not to forget the special relationship that we have with you as we uh, continue on in this world, but to treasure it and to pass it on to others. Lord, I thank you for fathers. I thank you for the example that is placed upon them. I, I thank you for uh, those that are thankful, those that are uh, good stewards of what they've been given from you. God, I just pray that you would continue to guide us no matter where we come from, we would remember we are children that are loved by you. A love that was shown all the way from the garden to the cross and on forever. It is in the name of Jesus to pray these things. Amen. You know, if you've not yet become a child of God, if you've not yet gone down into that water of baptism, and come up adopted with a new name, a new family unit to relate to, to call my people forever.
we invite you to do that this morning. Or if you have questions about it, if you just want to know more about becoming a part of the family of God, and you want to come see me or, or talk to one of the elders afterwards, we invite you to do that as well. But right now, we extend this invitation to you. This is a limited offer. Jesus is going to come back, and he's going to take the family back home. This is literally going to happen. We don't know when. We need to be ready. We need to be heading home before Jesus comes back. Please don't make light of this. Please don't make light of the call upon the family of God. At this time, we're going to stand and sing. There is a 